This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. It is time for Baldry's Beat. It'd be a good day to fly on Harbor Air, one of the few this week because it's been so cold and rainy and it's just felt more like November than May. But here we are and... Today, in this sunshine, we are learning more details of the Pope's visit to Canada. And I want to start there as we bring in Keith Baldry, our Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief, to talk all things big news and politics. Hey, Keith, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Jody. Let's start with the Pope. How, how do you see the announcement of where the pontiff will visit when he comes to Canada to address the apology in, in truth and reconciliation and specific to Catholic run residential schools. Well, it's interesting where he's chosen to visit. So he's going to be going to Edmonton, which has the largest indigenous uh, population of an urban center in Canada. He's also going to Quebec city, which is the home of uh, a pilgrimage site. And he's going to Baffin Island to visit the Inuit. Uh, but he's not going to uh, uh, any of the sites where we've seen these um, uh, burial burial sites. Uh, and he's also only three places because he is frail. The news reports are reporting just how frail and um, uh, not injured. Well, he is injured. He's in a wheelchair right now because he's a very severely strained knee ligament. So he is hobbled in terms of his ability to travel. But nevertheless, Pope Francis is coming. I think this will be one of the more anticipated pap- papal visits for some time. It's been, in, I think, more than 20 years since John, Pope John Paul visited uh, Canada. Always yeah. it's a, a big deal, obviously, but it's taken on you know different connotations now as a result of what's happening with the discoveries at residential schools and the like. He did apologize um, to a, a delegation of Indigenous leaders in recent weeks and uh, did promise to come here, and that's what's going to happen in July. So it's going to be a fairly big visit, fairly big news event, and it's unlike any other uh, previous visit by a Pope. It is big news today for sure. Let's get to a couple of other big stories. Uh, let's talk about Premier John Horgan's visit to Site C. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. I, I've often regarded that the sort of defining moment of this particular NDP government came with his decision to continue the construction and completion of the Site C dam because it was a project that they vehemently opposed um, to varying degrees, depending on which member of the caucus you were talking to, when they were in opposition. But when they came into government, they shed their activist sort of roots and views because you can't really be uh, go from opposition activism into government in terms of um, the realities that come with governing. And the fact that they agreed to uh, continue with the site dam and shed a position that they had for so long in opposition was very telling because it showed that this government... I don't think is as activist as the 1990s NDP government was, for example, on a number of issues. And John Horgan himself, he's sort of been conflicted about the Sightsee Dam. I interviewed him on the old Voice of BC program that ran on Shaw that Von Palmer used to host, and I would be the, the sub-host when he couldn't do it. And I remember in 2006, he was, John Horgan was the energy critic for the NDP, and he supported the Sightsee Dam back then. And this is reflective of John Horgan's roots, that he very much comes from 
the industry side of the NDP, uh, the energy side, you know, build things, um, extract things from the ground and turn them into something for people and, and revenues for government. So that reflects his, his historical roots, the fact that he supports the Sightsee Dam. And I know talking to him through the pandemic, one of the frustrating things he's found is the inability to travel um, yeah. in any meaningful way. And now Bruce Ralston, the energy minister, had scheduled a trip to go to tour the Sightsee Dam. And Horgan just simply piggybacked on it. He said, hey, I want to come too. Um, and he went up there with no fanfare. The press guy wasn't notified that uh, he was going up there. Uh, he did a private tour, um, no media, but uh, it's tough to arrange media right now in terms of the pandemic, in terms of traveling. We're just, we're just sort of coming out of these restrictions, and we're trying to figure out how to, how to work again. And one of the things around the legislature, Jody, in the last couple of weeks, for the first time in two years, the press gallery was actually in the corridors of the legislature, which is a reflection, again, of this new reality of getting together, meeting, and, in Horgan's case, traveling to the sightsee dam. It is quite the uh, the odd evolution back to the new normal mm-hmm. or some semblance of normalcy. Interesting. So I know you'll you'll keep us up on that, and certainly we'll probably get calls on on the the sightsee. Let's move to Pierre Polyev. A lot of op-ed pieces floating around today in a number of publications, speaking to the idea that Pierre Polyev is a too big a risk for the Conservatives. Well, it's interesting. He's really staking out some turf that no one had ever t- staked out before. He's he's portraying himself as sort of the anti-establishment candidate, even though he's ultimately, you could argue, the ultimate establishment candidate because he's from Ottawa. He's a, a career politician. Uh, but he's taking on things like the Bank of Canada and, and said he mm-hmm. fired the, the head of the Bank of Canada, Tiff Macklem, which is he's being condemned by a number of people who say this is an independent office don't mix politics with central bank policy. But Polyev's going in an area that's ri- extremely risky, I think, for the, for the Conservatives. But keep in mind, he's playing to two audiences right now. One is the members of the Conservative Party. He needs their support to become the leader of the Conservative Party. The next step, if he does become leader, he has to broaden the appeal to apply to the general population to try to get enough votes to actually win power. I don't think there's a clear road ahead for him. I think he is uh, playing a very risky game by being extremist, backing very aggressively the trucker convoy and everything that goes with that, which is a lot of baggage. But there's also a populist element to that that he thinks uh, works better for him than not. So he's trying to win a leadership, which means playing to a a fairly right-wing base of the party. And then the challenge would be, if he does win the leadership, can he broaden that appeal to the point of, of actually appealing to people who live in urban Metro Vancouver, uh, Greater Toronto, uh, Greater Montreal, where all the ridings are? And right now, I just don't see a clear path to victory for him on the general election front. Let's shift to Metro Vancouver, because as a parent, I'm absolutely terrified with oh, what yeah. the Vancouver police released the other day, these swarmings, these teen attacks and and this next level bullying where you know tens of teens are attacking one individual teenager mm-hmm. and then then typically girls it's crazy to watch these well, videos it just curls my toes oh it's uh it's very upsetting and, and frightening and i just opened up the my local paper here the victoria times Collins today has a story about the huge spike in violence in downtown yeah. victoria involving youths attacking strangers. We've had attacks around the legislature, uh, three attacks in the last uh, week or, or recently. Um, Katrina Conroy, the forest minister, was attacked here by right. random violence. 
we had a, a fellow attacked right near where she was attacked just recently by a, a you know anonymous gang of uh, young people and now we're seeing violence on the metro in monks youth but also in victoria as well so it's very troubling again and not exactly sure what's driving that i covered the rena vert case here um a number of years ago and it w- which was extremely troubling but i remember covering that and meeting the youth who were responsible were, par- were part of that whole um incident it wasn't just kelly ellard it was a number of others who were all participating uh and these were pretty hard bitten street youth uh who really came from troubled backgrounds and i wonder if that's what's happening with these other incidents as well whether these kids are sort of unmoored from strong family relationships and as a result are acting out on streets and what can be done about this trend that's the big piece of this that i i'm struggling with you know because is 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 it a is it a law enforcement issue is it a municipal government issue is it a provincial issue i you know it's a real tough one. Let's let's pause on this, Keith, and we'll open up the parent, phone lines. Big parent issue, I think. Big parent issue, government. of course. But some parents are turning in their kids when they see them on the social media. They're like grabbing them by the ear and going, "Okay, down down to the police department we go." Yeah, that's, that's clearly you. That's unusual. You know, we yeah. haven't seen that before. Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. It is Baldry's Beat. And Keith, just in the commercial break, we got a press release uh, that Kupke Roseanne Kashmir, the First Nations National Chief, is holding a press conference today at 2.30 to discuss the announcement from the Pope as to where uh, the pontiff will be visiting. Uh, Kupke Kashmir, not in Kamloops today, but uh, conducting a Zoom press conference. So we'll have more on that mm-hmm. uh, later on this afternoon. Should be interesting to hear what she has to say. Uh, phone lines jammed. Get get in there if you can. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 is a free call on yourself or Keith Baldry. It's Baldry's Beat, and we start with John and Langley. Welcome. Yes, good morning. Uh, many years ago, or well, some years ago, there was a young fellow that was swarmed in the, by a group of people. And it's what they, they use what they call curbing to the, this to that incident this young fella here as far as i know and i can remember he was a he ended up being a paraplegic i don't know what the state of it is but these people that go and do these things they don't have a real backbone they just one person does thinking and he dominates the group and hey let's go do it you know i i i think it's really sickening to be honest with you that's about all i have to say about it okay thank you thanks for the call john well obviously i don't know anyone who would support this kind of activity, swarming or or anything else of this abusive, violent nature, it is extremely troubling. What's what's interesting to see whether any charges or any criminal sanctions result as uh, from a police investigation of some of these incidents. But I'm not holding my breath that somebody's going to get punished for this. It is really quite something. Jenny just sent me an email saying I just read the article uh, on the violence in downtown Vancouver. Victoria, excuse me, it's truly horrifying, should be the entire subject of a show, very important issue. People are very worried about this, as we should be. I was taken aback by the article on the TC. I was not aware that this number of incidents in downtown Victoria, we've had violence in downtown Victoria from time to time, people coming out of the bars at 2 o'clock in the morning, but this appears to be something different, entirely different, of just random assaults by young people uh, that are not necessarily associated with uh, bar activity. Horrifying. All right, let's go to Mike in Vancouver. Welcome to the show. Your question for Keith Baldry, Mike. Well, I've got a, I've got a statement and maybe a question, but you know, okay. I I just want to give a shout out to the NDP government. 
you know, when I moved here 30 some years ago, they were all crazy. And uh, a lot of us were going to move back to Alberta and I, about uh, five years later when the NDP was in power. And then Horgan came along, and I think he's really transformed that NDP group. I mean, they're very, very good with money. I think he's going to be well-recognized for the Sightsee Dam because he did finish it, and I think it's going to be something that we in, in BC are going to uh, be so thankful for in five or ten years when everybody is chasing electricity, and we've got uh, this great source of fairly clean uh, power. We're going to have LNG being shipped off the coast. Who would have thought that the NDP government would be probably credited for getting those jobs uh, done. So I want to I give him a real shout-out. And uh, do you think that we can get uh, him to maybe get rid of that tunnel and put up the bridge to really uh, to really make it a, a win? You know, he uh, he's doing so well that uh, I think he deserves uh, a lot of more recognition. I was a staunch liberal, and I, I really I, I can't believe I say that I've shifted over to uh, the NDP under Horgan anyway. So well, that's all I want to say. Thanks, Mike. Well, Horgan has the uh, second highest popularity approval rating in the country next to Francois Legault of the Premier of Quebec amongst premiers in Canada. But I've talked before and I've given speeches before contrasting the NDP government of the 90s to the current government. There is some fundamental differences. The 90s NDP government wanted to, you know, rewrite the world, uh, come in with massive amounts of legislation, all sorts of fronts. And this government's much more steady as she goes, less ideological, less activist than the 90s government. And that's a fundamental difference. And I attribute that to the fact that John Horgan, Adrian Dix, and Mike Farnworth, the sort of the three key of, officials in the NDP government, were all in the NDP government of the 90s. Farnworth was a cabinet minister. Dix and Horgan were senior political staff. I think they learned the lessons of the mistakes the 90s government made and don't want to repeat them, which is one reason why they continue to sail along in the polls ahead of the Liberals. Let's continue down the phone board. Lori in Mission, thank you for your patience. You're up next. Welcome. Hi. I hope you guys are having a good morning. Um, Keith, I agree with what you said to a certain extent regarding the swarming of youth and things, but it's always been going on. It just now has become more brazen. And I think that a lot of that has to do with social media. Mm -hmm. There are so many people that have accounts and all they do is stage things. And to the point where they now actually have to say that this is for entertainment purposes and stuff. Some of the things that you can sit and watch on there, I can't believe they even let it on. And it's always, nothing is ever um, censored until after it's uploaded. And I don't understand that either. If well, you're uploading right. a video to a platform, it should have to be vetted first. And if it contains something, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be allowed to be posted. Well, that, you're quite right about social media. It is a phenomenon that wasn't there 20 years ago. It does change things in terms of vetting. That's an ongoing issue when it comes to Facebook and Twitter, of uh, what the standards are for uh, posting videos or messages of any kind. And you're right. I mean, swarming gang activity has been going on for decades. I remember as a kid being afraid of the, I think it was the old Riley Park gang in Vancouver, um, which, you know, sort of had an urban myth to it. But nevertheless, there were gangs back then. But the social media aspect, what was also very troubling about the recent incident is how many kids were filming this incident with their phones and not doing anything about it, just standing by as idle idle, uh, 
observers and not intervening or trying to stop the violence, but simply thinking it was a cool thing to post this on social media. Who can get it on Facebook first? And that's something we didn't see 20 years ago. And therein lies the conversation that we can all have with our teenagers. I have a 14-year-old. I had the opportunity to have a bunch of them in my house. I'm kind of the landing pad for them. And the conversation I had was about it. I read the full VPD statement with all the incidents, and they looked at me and said, well, what are we supposed to do? Like, Mm -hmm. snitches get stitches. They knew that line. And I said, what you're supposed to do is not be a bystander. You walk away, you walk away, and then you call 911. Mm-hmm. So that so that an adult can enter the fray, and, and you don't be a participant by post, yeah, don't be a no. participant by putting it on on Facebook or Twitter.